Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Welcome to Friday morning's live radio broadcast. We are broadcasting on YouTube under Vincent Xavier, on Facebook, also Omega Radio. You can watch and listen, and on Blog Talk Radio. So whoever you are, welcome to the broadcast. Today is January 7th. It is the birthday of a very dear man belonging to New Wine Ministries by the name of Klaus and Klaus, uh, I hope you're tuned in today. Klaus is from Yugoslavia. He's from Europe. Uh, he's 86 years young today, and he is in greater health than most young people are and doing fabulous in his life and has recently come to a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to wish Klaus, our brother, a father, an elder in the body of Christ, and just say happy birthday to you, sir. God bless you and your family. We love you very, very much. And we pray that this is a very, very special day. And if you didn't get a chance to hear this live, make sure you go back. Somebody tell Klaus to tune in and listen to the first moments of this broadcast on Friday. So, again, welcome. 
What I'd like to do, I want to say it right up front, we have a prophetic word, a prophetic word for someone. I believe it's a rhema word. I believe it's a word of knowledge for an individual. And I'm going to be releasing that word in just a little bit. I have a sense in my spirit to that individual who will receive the word for themselves. This is going to be the most incredible year of your life. And I mean that sincerely. Um, this word has been around, like God's word has been around for thousands of years, and yet there comes moments when the word of God comes off the pages and becomes a rhema word to our hearts, a rhema word to our minds, where God speaks directly to us about something. And so that word is intended to reach someone today. I know that's true. And so uh, we'll get going in that direction here in just a moment. Um, what I would like to do this morning is open the telephone lines. I want to do that all morning this morning and give opportunity for our listeners to call in and share whatever may be in their hearts. Um, we are the body of Christ, and in the multitude of counselors, there is safety and there is wisdom. And I want to give opportunity to this listening audience to speak their hearts, to share their concerns, to bring the revelation, knowledge, wisdom, just like in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are told that the body of Christ has been gifted to share many things, to profit everybody else in the body. One man's gift could never produce the fruit intended in an ecclesia. And we are not a ecclesia face-to-face, but we are listening to words, and words have power, and we do have the word of God to guide and direct our conversation. So, with that being said, I want to read, first of all, a little scripture, and if you'll bear with me for just a moment, I want to read something that I feel is vital to this moment, then we'll open up the conversation to whosoever will, and then we will bring that rhema word. It's for someone, and it's got your name written all over it, and it is the word of the Lord. So I know you're going to be there, or that individual is going to be there today. But let me read to you a little bit, and then I want to read some scriptures. Warnings. Warnings have many forms. Lights, signs, sights, sounds, smells, feelings, and written words. With varied focus, their purpose is the same, to advise alertness and give notice of imminent danger. Responses to these warnings will also vary from disregard and neglect to evasive or corrective action. How a person reacts to a warning is usually determined by the situation and the source. One reacts differently to an impending storm than to an onrushing automobile. And the counsel of a trusted friend is heeded more than advice from a stranger or the fearful imaginings of a child. Second Peter, talking about the letter of Second Peter, is a letter of warning from an authority none other than the courageous, experienced, and faithful apostle Peter. And it is the last communication from this great warrior of Christ. Soon thereafter, he would die, martyred for his faith. 
Previously, Peter had written to comfort and encourage believers in the midst of suffering and persecution. An external onslaught. But three years later, in this, in, in this letter containing his last words, he wrote to warn them of an internal attack, complacency and heresy. He spoke of holding fast to the non-negotiable facts of the faith, of growing and maturing in the faith, of rejecting all who would distort the truth. To follow this advice would ensure Christ-honoring individuals and Christ-centered churches. <clears throat> so after a brief greeting, Peter gives the antidote for stagnancy and short-sightedness in the Christian life. Then he explains that his days are numbered and that the believers should listen to his messages and the words of Scripture. Next, Peter gives a blunt warning about false teachers. They will become prevalent in the last days. They will do or say anything for money. They will spurn the things of God. They will do whatever they feel like doing. They will be proud and boastful, and they will be judged and punished by God. Peter concludes his brief letter by explaining why he has written it, to remind them of the words of the prophets and apostles that predicted the coming of false teachers, to give the reasons for the delay in Christ's return, and to encourage them to beware of heresies and to grow in their faith. Addressed to those who have obtained like precious faith, Second Peter could have been written to us. Our world is filled with false prophets and teachers who claim to have the truth and who clamor for attention and allegiance. Listen carefully to Peter's message. Heed his warning. Determined to grow in your knowledge of Christ and to reject all those who preach anything inconsistent with God's word. So having laid that forth, I want to read a few verses in Second Peter. I want to begin in chapter 1. And remember, it's a warning with instruction to an ecclesia, to God's people, how to live in the moment of crises, how to prepare how to be ready to face whatever crises may come. So this is valuable. This is valuable instruction in light of all that we hear, all that we see, all that we know is taking place all over the world. You are a believer in Jesus Christ. You are a believer in the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of heaven. You believe that Jesus Christ walked upon this earth, died for our sins on a bloody cross, was buried, and on the third day rose from the grave, and after 40 days ascended to the right hand of God in heaven and received the title deed of his eternal kingdom. You believe that. And you believe that because you've been born again into him through your faith, that you have access into that kingdom now and in the days ahead. You have received the first fruits of your salvation, of your inheritance. And that first fruit of your inheritance was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have been sealed with the spirit of the living God, which is eternal life and truth. 
and power and wisdom, you have received God's spirit, and that spirit has sealed you as a down payment for a future inheritance, one reserved in heaven for you. This is your reality. And you live on this earth every single day. You have learned about God. You have studied his word. You are led by the Holy Spirit. You're growing in your faith. You're growing in your character. You're growing in fruitfulness. You have accepted the transformation. You have learned to pick up your cross, to die to yourself, and to live for God and let his life be lived out through you. You're journeying. You're on the narrow pathway that leads to eternal life. You have chosen to get off the wide road that multitudes are on because you understood that that wide road was leading to destruction. You have turned. Repentance means to turn, and you have. You've turned away from the foolishness and the blindness of men to the philosophy and the wisdom of the world to follow the one and only true light. Jesus. And because you follow Jesus, your master, your Lord, your Savior, your King, the living Word of God, you have taken to task to pick up his book, the Bible, and to read it so that you may do what it says to do. You are not just following for the goodies, but you are following him whithersoever he goes. Remember, Jesus had told the multitudes that were following him because of all the miracles. He turned around one day and said, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Many people were following Jesus for the benefits, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, but they weren't interested in following him in the narrow pathway that leads to eternal life, which is a stripping away of the self, a denial of our own flesh nature. It is a battle against principalities and powers. And this is something consistent with all believers. The moment that you stepped into kingdom reality and were born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and received the word of God in truth, you were also equipped with the armor of God because you stepped into a battle that has been raging since the beginning of time. From before the eons of time, before Adam and Mrs. Adam ever walked on the earth, a great battle had been fought in the eternal realms of heaven. And this we know. In that battle, when man was created in the Garden of Eden, the tempter came and through seduction and through lies seduced Mrs. Adam. And Mr. Adam partook of that seduction. This is all part of the battle. Jesus was subjugated to the same temptation in the wilderness after being hungry for not eating for 40 days, 40 nights. The devil came to him to tempt him in every way he tempted the first man. He overcame the temptation because he stayed with the word of God, whereas Adam and Mrs. Adam, they had the word of God, but they didn't do the word of God, and they were deceived. Jesus was the word of God, knew the word of God, quoted Old Testament scripture in the temptation and overcame the seducer. And because of that, he became the savior of the world to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. 
His message has gone forth to the ends of the earth. We are now living in the prophetic third day or the beginning of a new millennial day. 2,000 years of the church age have now come to a conclusion or are coming to an end. A passing through the matrix or going through the Red Sea or going through the Jordan River to get from one side of the day to another side is the moment we're all in right now. We're passing through a very interesting moment of time in the history of the world. The Bible predicts many things that we're going through. And the good news is is that's exactly what we're doing. We're going through. We're not dying in the midst of it. We're not staying back on the other side, afraid to cross over. We're going through by the grace of God. So because this is a reality and we have been in a spiritual warfare, most of the spiritual warfare against our lives is deception, lies of the devil. He likes to accuse. He's known as the accuser of the brethren. He's a slanderer. He is a liar. There's no truth in him. Jesus called him the father of lies. And most likely the warfare over mankind or maybe what the church is experiencing is the lying spirit of Satan. You're not worthy. God doesn't love you. You're not going to heaven. You've crossed the point of no return as an individual. That you're guilty for what you've done. You're condemned because of what you did. There is no place in heaven for you. You're going to fail. You're sick. You're poor. You're broke. You're busted. You have nothing. You're, you're insignificant. This is the genuine assault of the devil against all true believers. He hates the fact that you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He launches his warfare against those who have faith to try to undermine their faith, to steal their faith, to break their faith. And this is why faith is so important. Having said that, I want to get into the letter of the great apostle Peter, and I want his words to enter into your heart and into your mind. Remember, I have right here a prophetic word for someone. I know this is true. The word we're going to receive right now is for everyone. We all feed on this word. And the word that I have is for someone. And it's going to just take everything you have and where you are and bring you somewhere else in the kingdom of God and the economy of God. So let's begin on this Friday morning with the lines wide open for whosoever will. You're more than welcome to call into this broadcast and just talk and share, ask questions, Make comments, whatever you'd like to do today, but I want this word to go forth first. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Is there anybody listening right now who has obtained a like precious faith with the apostles and all believers through the last 2,000 years? And the resounding answer is yes, we have obtained a like precious faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ, your faith in God, your faith in the word of God, the promises of God is precious. Hold on to it. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. For those of you who have this like precious faith, grace and peace 
be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God, through the knowledge of God, grace and peace be multiplied and of Jesus, our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things. In other words, because of his divine power, he has given unto you and I and all who believe all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So everything you need, everything I need for life and godliness, his divine power has supplied. He has supplied it through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory. We have been called to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us. This is something now that you need to know as a believer has been given to you. And what is it? Exceeding great and precious promises. You have been given great and precious promises. Not just great, exceeding great. This is you. It's what God has given to you, regardless of your condition, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of where you are, who you are, okay? If you are a child of God and you have that like precious faith, God has given to you exceeding great promises and precious promises that by these, these promises, that by these, you might be partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature is what is happening on the inside of every true believer. A true believer is an individual, a person, whether it be a male or a female, that has come to faith in Christ, faith in God, has received the grace of God in truth, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the atonement, this individual who has come to him in truth has been granted the right through these promises to become a partaker of the divine nature. And again, excuse me, the divine nature is what's happening in us, partaking of the divine nature in us, for we are new creations. We are born again. If any man or woman be in Christ Jesus, he or she is a new creation, literally a new species of man. The new species is only becoming what the second man from heaven, Jesus Christ, is. The first Adam, the first man, is a species of man. But because of failure and sin, that species has gone into obliteration. It is condemned. There's nothing in the Adamic species that is in and of itself salvageable. It is a condemned to die species. But all who are born again have become a new species by the sperma word of God that has entered into the good soil of the heart. And we having been born again have become a new creation and become partakers of the divine nature, no longer partakers of the human nature. We've all been human natured. 
and we have two natures, according to Galatians chapter 5, that are at war within us. Sometimes the human nature wants to stand up. My nature is also in combat. It's a, it's a war between the flesh and the spirit, as the Apostle Paul wrote about it. Nonetheless, you need to know that according to the promises of God, that you are a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped, not going to escape, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Corruption came into the world through Mrs. Adam's desire. That's what lust is. She saw the tree, that it was desired for food, it looked good to the eyes, etc., etc. So it was through her desire of what was being offered through the seducer that corruption came into the world. You were subjugated to that corruption, as we all were, but coming to Christ, we have escaped the corruption that is in the world. And a lot of people struggle with this because it's something that has to dawn upon our minds. It has to be a reality. It's not just I was once an alcoholic and now I'm not. I used to use drugs and now I don't. I used to be a fornicator, but now I don't. I mean, that's really good, but that in and of itself does not eradicate the corrupt nature of a fallen species of mankind. The Bible says we have escaped the corruption within ourselves as we yield to the Spirit of God, as we partake of the promises of God, we become partakers of a divine nature that has no corruption in it whatsoever. And that is a reality, and that's what we're going after. And that's why we won't rest until we have apprehended it fully as we have been apprehended fully by the Lord. We are going after a divine, incorruptible nature that God has given to us and put into us. And this is why we're running the race to apprehend and to obtain the fullness of this promise. Now, in verse 5, Peter says, after that incredible opening, and beside this, beside all of this that I just said, giving all diligence, add to your faith. All right, so it begins with faith. So give all diligence to what is about to be said. Add to your faith virtue. Add to virtue knowledge. And if you would like, we could walk through this just if we want to have a beautiful little Bible study here today. Let's do it. And I'll just give you the definitions of what each one of these mean. So... Add to your faith. All right, so here it is. Let's get it up here. We'll go with the Strongs, verse 5. And by the way, giving all diligence, this is something that you and I do now, okay? We're called to do this. That's the spude, and that, that word means haste, earnestness, striving after, okay? Interest oneself most earnestly. Um, it literally means speed, okay? So what are we doing? We're, we're being hasty about these things. We're not just being delayed and forgetting them and negligent. And what does he say to do? Add to your faith, your belief, 
your being fully convinced of the gospel of Christ, virtue. The word virtue is the arete, and that literally means manliness or valor. All right. Excellence. Excellence. Intrinsic or attributed. It means praise. So add to your faith excellence, valor, praise. I like that word. That's really awesome. And then add to your virtue knowledge. So you're starting with faith. We believe in God. We are fully persuaded. We have the pistis, the pistos. We have the faith. And so now that we have it, add excellence. Become strong, valor, courageous. Put on, add to this faith, these qualities of life, these attributes, this intrinsic value of my faith can move mountains now. I have strong faith. Okay? And then add to your virtue, the knowledge. And this knowledge is literally talking about scientific knowledge. So in other words, learn about God. Because if you don't learn about God, it's hard to put faith in anything. You know, you're putting your faith in an abstract God. You don't know how he operates. You don't know what works. You don't know his will, desire, pleasure, whatever. So add to your virtue, your valor. Now I'm strong. I've got faith. I've got excellence. I'm going to become more excellent at what I do. But I also want to add to my virtue knowledge. I don't want to be strong in the wrong direction. I don't want to be courageous but not use my courage for the right cause. So I need the knowledge of God to come into my life. And that refers to the deeper, more perfect, and enlarged knowledge of our faith, such as belongs to the more advanced. So keep adding knowledge, understanding, intelligence, right here in your head. Figure it out. Read the Bible. Pray, right? Then, and to knowledge, verse 6, temperance. Temperance. And that word temperance simply is the encratia, which means self-control. Continence. The virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. So now we have faith. Now we have virtue, excellence, praise, honor, courage, valor. And now we have knowledge, but now we need self-control. I'm thinking of the two disciples who said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down out of heaven like Elijah did? He says, you don't know what spirit you're operating in. They had the courage. They had the faith. They had the valor. They had the knowledge of a past experience, and they wanted to just let it rip, and he had to say, wait a second. No, that's not time for that. And it was not time for that when that was done. So temperance is needing to be added, the self-control of one who masters his desires and passions and his sensual appetites. What a worthy cause, right? And add to temperance, patience. Patience, the hupomene. And that means endurance, constancy, not in and out, not up and down, Regardless of circumstances, keep going. Endure, constant, 
steadfast, deliberate. All right, I love this. It's a characteristic of a person who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. Did you hear that? God says, add this virtue. Add this to all things that you are intrinsically uh, bringing into your life. This patience is the characteristic of a person. Let this become a reality. Who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. What a great word. And by the way, in the definition of patience, it is the cheerful or hopeful endurance. Cheerful, hopeful endurance, regardless of what one is going through. Praise the Lord. Now, adding to patience, add to patience godliness. Godliness. And godliness is a eusebia. And it literally means respect, reverence, piety towards God. And this goes back to what we were talking about the other day. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the respecting of God, honoring his word, knowing that his word is law in all realms. So we have also the meaning of holiness. And what holiness really is is a separating from things that are not of God. So I respect God. I, my, the godliness in my life is that I respect my father so much and I reverence and honor his word that it literally separates me from doing anything that he would not want me to do. Okay? So this is godliness. And then what do we do with godliness? Add to godliness brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. That comes from two words. And it's the Philadelphia. This is where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? And brotherly love, Philadelphia, literally means fraternal affection. You you belong to a fraternity in the sense of belonging to the body of Christ, belonging to the ecclesia. Every single person has been grafted in by the Spirit of the Lord. No man chooses this, this fraternity. We have all been brought into, and it's not a male's fraternity or a woman's fraternity. It is a body of Christ fraternity. And you and I, who are part of the fraternal reality, he's calling us to fraternal affection, brotherly love, kindness, love of the brethren. So when you belong to a fraternity or if you belong to a family, you should love, respect, honor, care for, serve one another, be kind to one another, enjoy one another. And so in the ecclesias around the world and then in general, the body of Christ, the call is to fraternal affection. Have more affection for your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ than you do for an unredeemed world. Sometimes believers have a tendency, uh, because they're part of an ecclesia and they have internal problems, struggles, you know, even the disciples, who's going to be greatest? And then uh, the other ten were angry at the other two because they even asked the dear things. So they had all their issues. And usually in fraternity or in family, there are issues. And so a lot of people, you know, don't like that, so they show more affection to people that they don't have 
relationship with. We can show kindness to a stranger. We show kindness to people we don't even know. We're so kind and loving, and we laugh, and we're, we're excellent. And, oh, you go first, please, come on. But that really belongs, according to Galatians chapter 6, first to the fraternity of the body of Christ. It belongs first. You can start with your, your spouse, your children, your parents, your family, but it goes into the larger picture of the fraternal. So let there be this kind of affection. That's the word of the Lord. And then what do we add to brotherly kindness? Charity. Charity. And that is the word agape. So something that's added in is the affection, the goodwill, the love, the benevolence, a love feast, an affection or benevolence. Um, And this is just dear love. And so Peter, by giving these qualities and telling us to be diligent to go after them, he now says, for if these things be in you, okay, not, not just external or just beyond the surface, but if they be in you and abound, so if these, you want, you want a secret to success in the days we're living in, so if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. So if these things are in us and they're abounding and we're adding and we're we're allowing for growth in all areas, we will never be barren and we will never be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind, cannot see afar off, has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. That's powerful. If we don't have these qualities operating and abounding in our lives, we're blind. If I don't love my brother, if I don't have affections, if I'm not turning into more godliness, more patience, if I'm not following the temperance and the knowledge and the virtue and the faith, You know, if these, the brotherly kindness, all these qualities, they're supposed to be active, moving through our bodies, moving through our hearts, moving through our beings. And if they're not there, we're blind. If we lack these things, we're blind. We cannot see afar off. We have forgotten that we're purged from our old sins. So to forget that we're purged from our old sins means we're back into unbelief again. And who can honor the Lord with a spirit of unbelief? can't. So it's imperative, these instructions for the Christian life, in order to bring us into a better place. So in verse 10, Peter says, wherefore the rather, rather than being blind and forgetting that we're purged, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, listen, If you do these things that were just instructed, you shall never fall. You shall never fall. In the day of the great falling away, in the time of the great defection from the truth, if these things are in you and are abounding, you shall never fall. Now, doesn't that, as a student, shouldn't we take 
heed to this and go after these things and make sure that these things are understood so that we can apply them to our lives so that we can see the benefits of never being barren, never being unfruitful, and never falling. And it doesn't stop there. Peter went on to say in verse 11, For so an entrance, an opening, shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the thing that causes me to marvel about Bible study is that we want that entrance to be ministered unto us abundantly into everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, without the first part of adding to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to ver- and the knowledge, all the things that I just talked about. See, we want the benefit without following the instructions. There's a gospel today that has taught people that, well, you're going to heaven because you believe in Jesus. Do you know the devils believe in Jesus? But one of the most seasoned warriors of God, the apostle Peter, was saying something a little bit different than just because you believe in Jesus, you're going to go into the kingdom of Christ. He's telling us that an entrance will be ministered unto us abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when we add to our faith all the qualities. And what are they again? Well, adding to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, temperance, to temperance, patience, to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, true love. So the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart. And it it gives us the guidance. And then when these things are abounding in us, now we're never going to be barren, never going to be unfruitful. We're never going to fall. We will never fall. And the entrance into the kingdom of Christ will be opened unto us. So if these things are not in us and they're not abounding in us, how can we lay claim to the promise? The promise is based upon allowing these things to work in us. By the way, all these virtues, all these things that are just spoken are connected to the divine nature that he earlier said we were partakers of. All right. So you, you think about that. You, you judge that. And because he says this, in verse 12, Peter says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. So Peter is all about creating a memory to remind the saints as they go. And life gets hard sometimes. And we get caught up in many, many things. There are many trials So he says, I will not be negligent or neglect to put you always in remembrance of these things that I've just said to you. Always maintain your virtue, your faith, your knowledge, your temperance, your patience, your brotherly kindness, your godliness, your love. Always, always, always. 
Remember these things. Think of these things. Are they growing? Are they abounding? Are you getting the promise because they are? Yea, verse 13, I think it meet or good as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. You know, if we didn't remember these things and they begin to lapse in our lives, could that be the reason why so many people will say, Lord, Lord, open unto me. I've done all these works. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you because these things weren't in you and they weren't abounding. That's a big salvation issue. And I think I'm going to trust the Apostle Peter that I am a modern-day pastor that tells you that you're under grace no matter what you do. You're saved if you believe in Jesus. I mean, who are you going to believe? We just read something that was incredible that ought to strike the fear of the Lord in us. Again, this is the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord. Life is a vapor. And being a Christian in this earthly temporal realm is an opportunity for eternal life. And God does desire all his creation to have eternal life. But there's a roadmap. There are instructions. And it sounds like the only instruction that many today are receiving is believe in Jesus. But as you can tell by reading the scripture, that's where it begins. But you have to add to. You have to continue on. You have to endure to the end. You have to grow and abound and abide in the word of God, knowing that these end times are coming. So Peter, knowing what was coming upon his generation, is instructing them to hold on, to get the kingdom built into you, get the promises of God inward, get these qualities and divine attributes and characteristics a part of who you are as a Christian, not just I believe. Again, the devils believe, and they tremble. So, he said, knowing that shortly, in verse 14, I must put off this my tabernacle. He says, I'm getting ready to go. I'm going to die, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. So, this is the reason why he was so urgent, and his last letter, these are his last words, And you know, if you have somebody you love and respect and you're by the bedside and they have some last words, these are the last words of Peter. And we ought to honor what he's saying. And here he goes. Moreover, verse 15, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Now, the personal one-on-one communication with that ecclesia must have been awesome, but he's writing this letter to all saints because it was way beyond Peter. It was Holy Spirit anointing. Holy Spirit knew it was to that one person, but it was also for the entire body of Christ throughout 2,000 years of a church age. It's for you and I today. Is it ever too late to stop or to start? Is it ever too late and say, well, i got to start doing this? Never. Possibly the reason why we're reading this today is because God wants you and I to start again. Oh, well, I knew that 10 years ago. I knew that five years ago. I heard that in a Bible study, you know, last month. But I never really 
was diligent to do what it said. So I became a hearer and not a doer, and I deceived myself. And if I hadn't been quickened to truth, I could have gone into deception believing I was saved, and I really wasn't because I was thinking an entrance was going to be open, but I realize now it's only open by doing what the Word of God says to do, not simply believing. I need to allow my belief to carry me into obedience to do the instructions. If I really believe, then I will obey. It's very simple. And yet it's very profound and very critical for each one of us. Continuing on in Peter's letter as he's writing these things, he says in verse 16, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. So Peter's saying, man, we were not into fables. We're not into esoteric sciences of mind. We were with the master, right? We have not followed cunningly devised fables. And what is a fable, by the way? A fable here is the muthos. And it means the idea of tuition or a tale or fiction, a myth. It also talks about speeches or words or sayings or narratives of stories. And so there are many stories that are fiction, myth. They are fables. But Peter said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So Peter's saying, we were with him on the mount, the Mount of Transfiguration. We know we saw Elijah and Moses. We heard the voice in the cloud. We saw him effulgence and outray and put on display the glory that was in him doing the miracle signs and wonders. We were there. We're not making it up. We're not telling stories. We saw these things. We were eyewitnesses. Verse 17, for he received from God, that is Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So he's going back over the Matthew 17, the Luke chapter 9, I believe it is, story of the Mount of Transfiguration moment and how he received glory and honor from the Father when he spoke in that cloud. This is my beloved son. Hear him. I'm well pleased with my son. In verse 18, in this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So Peter is just simply saying to his audience and to you and I today, it's all real. This is not make-believe. Heaven is for real. Heaven is a real place. And I know that the destination of all believers is to be conformed into the image of the firstborn son, but heaven is a real place. It, too, is, in a sense, a destination for those who have been conformed into the image. Heaven is a place of reality. The kingdom of Christ is a place of reality. We, Peter said, actually saw the manifestation of God we heard his voice. We saw Jesus change, transfigure. We saw Moses and Elijah come out of that realm. They should have been done thousands of years ago. They should have were dead. What are they doing alive? There's a place. There's a place. 
And we call it heaven because the Bible calls it heaven. And the only way to get into that place is in the Old Testament to have faith in God. And it will allow the spirit of God to, you know, to work with the people there. But in the new covenant, to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and do what his word says to do. There's a place called heaven. And he desires us for come. So the things he asks us to do are not complicated. He didn't give us 613 rules to go to heaven. He gave us two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two hang all the law and the prophets. And by doing the instructions is how love comes. Remember, in this list that we just got, the last one is love. So all following those instructions is how love comes. Through brotherly love, through my knowledge, through godliness, you know, through patience, through temperance, through virtue, through faith. All those things are what ultimately develop the love of God, which affords opportunity of access. So Peter says in verse 19, after sharing that experience, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well. So he's telling us that we would do well, that we take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Praise God. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So what is this prophecy? The prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. The prophecy that we have, the word of God given to us. It's a sure word of prophecy. And we are to take heed to it as unto a light that shines in a dark place. There's a prophecy. The Lord is coming. The Lord is returning. That is light in the midst of a darkened world that there's no hope. What are we going to do? The bad guys are winning. The Antichrist is coming. The beast with the seven heads and ten horns is on the way. Mystery Babylon, drunk with the blood of the prophets and the apostles and the saints of God. What do we do about this? What do we do about the consternation, the overwhelming, the breaking of a human race, the Population control, the death of millions and billions of people all around. Take heed to the light of prophecy. There is an afterlife. Heaven is real. Jesus Christ is Lord. Resurrection power is a reality. Take heed to the word of God, to the sure word of prophecy. The coming of the Lord. He is coming again. He lives in you. He's rising in you as a day star rising in your heart. He's causing the light of truth to shine in you so that out of you will go the light rays of reality to a, uh, to a generation of people that are darkened through sin under fables and fairy tales and lying stories who have a show of wisdom but have no power to bring into eternal life. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. There is a deceptive light called Lucifer, the light bearer. Satan transforms himself into a minister of righteousness, to an angel of light. There's false light everywhere. There's only one true light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Buddha talked about light. Confucius talked about light. Yeshua said, I am the light. He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of the world. 
He wants this light to shine up in us. So we move forward just a bit. We go to chapter 2, verse 1. And here's what we're contending with. Here's what we have to watch. This is what we are being warned. I started this broadcast by reading about the warnings, the purpose of a warning. Here's what we're being warned against. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So even denying the Lord that bought them, that's one of the damnable heresies, but it's not the extent of it. So we're dealing in a world, and Jesus said it clearly, false prophets, false teachers. And what are they doing? They are bringing in damnable heresies, once saved, always saved. I could go on down the list. We just read what brings access into the heavens, not I, I believe in Jesus and then live the way I want. It's a deception. It's a lie. But they're real, and they're here today more than probably at any other time in the history of the world. It began in the Garden of Eden. It's been throughout time since the days of Yeshua, Jesus, to right now. False prophets, false teachers, speaking lies. You have to know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you will not be able to distinguish what is real and what is not. If you have the truth as much as lieth within you, the day star, the light of truth, is rising in your heart. If you know the truth, that truth will set you free from the lies and the deception that are designed to damn men's souls. Remember, when the devil lied to Adam and Mrs. Adam in the garden, he didn't do it just to say, I got you. No, he did it and brought the kind of destruction that we see all over this earth. Being deceived is not a light thing. I mean, that one lie in the garden among our first parents, Adam and Mrs. Adam, opened the door to the destruction that this world has known for 6,000 years of the most tragic, horrific, violent, heartbreaking stuff that has happened on this earth. Sickness, disease, death, tragedy, pain, suffering. Being deceived is not a light thing, would someone say amen. And if you don't regard the light and the truth and you don't guard it with all your heart so that you don't get off into things, which anybody could, hearing a story, they're very seductive. If Satan was able to seduce the first woman on this earth, how deceiving is it really today? And all we have is a book, the Holy Spirit, and faith to make them all work. We believe through faith, but now we've got to add to our faith. Knowledge, virtue, come on, this is what he said. So we are dealing with false prophets among the people and false teachers among the people. It's not just in the world. Hollywood's got its prophets. And they prophesy all the time about the doom and gloom and whatever they want to say. But it's among the people of God. It's in the house of God. 
And this is something we all check ourselves. We all ask ourselves, are we hearing the right things? Are we saying the right things? This is critical because if we don't say the right thing, if we don't do the right thing or hear the right thing, we can not only hurt ourselves but lead other people into pain. And that's going to show up in eternity. So we're not toying with this issue. It is critical that we are in the truth. And if we have any prophetic gifting, if we have any teaching gifting, we better make sure what we're relaying is truth. That ought to put the fear of God in all ministers of the gospel. Because we have a double condemnation, according to James upon those teachers of the word. Double judgment. Be careful what we say. It's imperative. Peter went on to say in verse 2 of of these false teachers and false prophets, many, many, that word many, just for heads up, is the polos, large amounts, much, the majority, many shall follow their pernicious ways. What is a pernicious way? Apolia, Apollia, destroying. Remember Apollyon? The falling away. The Apollia. So many shall follow their destructive, ruinous ways into eternal misery in hell. Eternal misery in hell. Many shall follow. Why? In verse 3, through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Now to me, my mind races immediately to the prosperity gospel. They know through covetousness they make feigned words. And what are feigned words? That's plastos. In other words, from clay or wax, it's molded, artificial, artificial, fictitious. There's an artificial gospel. There are artificial words. So many shall follow their artificial words by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So this gets pretty deep into the territory or the soil of our understanding, our hearts, our lives. That's you. But if I die today, I really do want to go to heaven. I really do want to wake up in paradise or in the arms of the master. I want to be in a really good place. I do not want to wake up in misery and in hell where my worm will never die, where the destruction will never end, where I'm going to go into the eternal lake of fire. I don't want that, and I believe that that does exist. And though I don't believe God wants to throw me into hell or the lake of fire, I know that he's given me a roadmap on how to avoid such an eternal destination. I know that God is not mocked. If God were mocked when Mrs. Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God would have said, well, man, I can't allow for this murder and bloodshed and violence and hate and war and tragedy any disgusting, satanic thing to hit the world. Now, I can't do that, so, okay, I'm going to change my mind. He doesn't change his mind. And if you don't think the history 
of the last 6,000 years of man on planet Earth is tragic. And listen how listen to what God says to vindicate his own word here. There are going to be false prophets, false teachers that are going to seduce many, the majority, through their covetousness. They're even going to deny the Lord, right? They're going to make merchandise of the people. They're going to tell them what they want to hear. They're going to teach them smooth words, artificial words, an artificial gospel, not real, cannot produce what God is after, the true gospel does, which is a sanctified life. And then he says this, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So what's he talking about? Hey, if God didn't spare the angels... If God didn't spare the old world, and verse 6 says, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them with an overthrow, making them an ensample, a pattern, unto those that which after should live ungodly. Do you realize the damnation that is on our nation for promoting the Sodomite agenda? Do we have any idea of what is awaiting this nation? And all the nations of the earth that have gone in the way of the days of Noah. And God said through Jesus Christ, Jesus Almighty God said that the last days would be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they would be like the days of Noah. And it's here. The unsuspecting masses scoff and mock just like they did in the days of Noah. They can't imagine that this is hanging over the head of this nation and all the world. The day of judgment. And what Peter is saying to the ecclesia is, listen, I'm telling you something about God. I'm going to add to your knowledge base right now how God works. He did cast the angels into hell, reserved under chains of judgment. <clears throat> he did destroy the world in the days of Noah. He did destroy Sodom and Gomorrah with a massive overthrow. So why is he telling us this? He brought examples. What would happen? Verse 7, and he delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Lawless society. We're in it right now. Everything that he just spoke about is right now. The only difference is those angels that were reserved in chains under the day of judgment they're going to be released in Revelation chapter 9, something like that, where they're coming out in the day of judgment to do their worst against a humanity that has rejected the knowledge of Christ. They're coming back on the earth. They call them Nephilim, call them anything you want. They're the fallen angels. And some people say that that has already opened and they're already operating to some degree. I don't know. I know there's a lot of demonic stuff going on in the world. So in verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment. 
He knows how to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Get ready, because this is, this is something that's going on in the church now, okay? Because he uses the word, but chiefly. Them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Now, that is not worldly government. They despise the government of God. They are presumptuous, self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. This is interesting. This is, this is very powerful um, scripture because this is talking about some high-level stuff. Uh, one of the interpretations we could get from this are those that, let's, let's take it on this path. So these people that are walking after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness are despising the government of man. Let's just say it's the government of man. Well, the government of man starts walking in the flesh in uncleanness, so that doesn't work. This has to have to do with something regarding the government of God in the earth. And yet there are angels, which are greater in power and might. They bring not accusation against them before the Lord. So I'm thinking that these are the fallen angels that are more powerful, but they don't even bring railing accusation against the government of God. They seem to know, like when Jesus met the demons and the demon-possessed man, Please don't send us into the country. They didn't rail and rebuke, and they just know something about God's government. That's my interpretation, and we could search that out further. But these who walk in the flesh and in the lust of uncleanness and despise the government of God as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. They speak against God. And remember, in the book of Revelation 13, the beast is given a mouth to speak blasphemies against those who dwell in heaven, in the temple of God, right? Everything God, there's blasphemy. They are brute beasts. And they will be taken and destroyed. And you read in Revelation 19, when Jesus returns, he takes the prop, the false prophet and the beast and casts them into destruction, into the lake of fire, to be destroyed. They speak against things, speak evil of things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blameless. Now that word riot there is the is the the, the trufe. And it means effeminate, softness, luxurious living, enfeebled, especially the mind and body by indulgence, effeminacy, debauchery. So we're not talking about physical violence. It's people that do what? 
They count it pleasure to riot, to become sexually deviant, et cetera, et cetera, what we just read, in the daytime. In other words, this is wide out in the open. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Wow. So Peter's saying there's an element within the ecclesia that are sensual, demonic, unclean, effeminate, godless, feasting with God's people. That's a condition of the heart. That's a condition of the soul. Then he says that they have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. So here, those who are this way are purposely that way. They are literally attempting to overthrow the faith of the righteous. There are people in the body of Christ that are working out their salvation with fear and trembling. They're being washed and cleansed from the inside out. They're being purged and they are allowing for the blood of Jesus to do an incredible intrinsic work in the soul realm of the imagination, the mind, the conscience. Here he's talking about people that are moving right among the righteous, right among the people that are godless, they are ungodly, they have eyes full of adultery, they cannot cease from sin, they beguile unstable souls with their conduct, their attitude, they think there's something, right? Which have, verse 15, forsaken the right way. They no longer go the right way and are gone astray. There's the falling away. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, this would be likened in today's economy of things of a man or a woman who goes to church, started out good, something happens, they get involved in pornography, they get involved in uh, homosexuality or adultery or fornication, they go to church, they run things, they're watching over things, but they themselves carry a conduct within them that is <clears throat> beguiling unstable souls. There's something about their mannerism that isn't exactly right. They are, cannot cease from sin. They hide their sin, but they act like they're righteous all over the world, in churches, everywhere. Peter knew it, and he talks about this Balaam thing, you know, um, serving God for reward. It's all about getting rewards, who love the wages of unrighteousness, this Son of Bozor, verse 16. But was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumbass, speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. So here was a prophet prophesying godless things for reward. Couldn't do it. And a donkey actually wound up talking to the man. Who are these people? Peter says in verse 17. These are wells without water. They have a well, but there's no water in their well. They're clouds that are carried with a tempest. They're just wandering clouds to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, 
through much wantonness, because people are so desirous, right? Tell me what I want to hear. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. So what do these do who speak for man's admiration? They speak for the applause of men. They speak for some reason. Okay? Words of vanity, alluring to people that were clean escaped through their faith in Christ. So these are in the church to draw back. It's not the world that's pulling people back into destruction. It's what's going on in the ecclesia by what people are saying. I've always said, beware of people that go around the church talking to everybody. You know, we can't follow around as shepherds and listen to everything they tell people. But they drop these little, I call them little rat droppings. And people feed on their rat droppings of their ideas. And they're very subtle because it's very satanic. And they, they cause instability among those that were saved by grace through faith in a real way. And if they have a way to get them back through their sensuality and their desire, it's, it's intense. It's all over the world. And here's what happens. While they promise them liberty, these people always tell these people about liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. So they're telling everybody else how to live when they are servants to corruption. You can see it so clearly in their own lives. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. Don't let any man overcome you in Jesus' name. For if, here's, here's the danger. This, see, this runs totally contrary to once saved, always saved. And here's the warning from the Apostle Peter. And Lord God, help our hearts and minds. Protect us. Guard up. Get the mind of Christ. Know the truth. Wisdom. Holy Spirit. Genuine. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein, so somebody has seduced them to go back, and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. What is he saying? The seasoned veteran saint of God, Peter, said it would, have, it would have been better for a person to never have known the way of righteousness who through that message escaped the corruption than after they knew it to return from the holy commandment. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Whether this speaks of an individual, whether this speaks of a congregation who starts out right, experiences salvation, gets into the deep things of God, escapes the, the pollutions of the world, they're standing strong in Christ, and then something happens to that individual or that ecclesia that somebody comes in with their words and turns it to go in another direction, to go back, licentiousness, all these things that we're talking about, 
whether it's an individual or a congregation, it condescends into bondage. And the demonic comes in, and the demonic has a field day, a feast upon the souls of these people. Bring them back into corruption. They're more tormented now because they knew the way of truth. It would have been better for them to have never known it and be tormented because they didn't know what they were missing. But now they know, and now they've gone back, and now the double condemnation and the torment is worse than ever. And there are people that actually preach once saved, always saved. Is that wisdom? When the Apostle Peter, again, I'd rather listen to the Apostle Peter than I would to the greatest pastor on this earth today. And if that pastor agrees with Peter, I'm all in. If he tries to excuse this, lighten it, dismantle it, make an argument against it, ain't no way on this earth I will follow such a man or listen to such a man. No way. Because this is more important than knowing all end-time prophecy. This is more important than knowing what's going to happen in the end times. This is more important than what the devil's doing, the world's doing, or anything. This is eternal. This is my soul. This is your soul. And your soul needs to be comforted by the truth. I think I know something about deception. Deception has all the laudation of, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. But something down inside, just there's that something. Could I be missing it? Yes. Even the elect of God can be deceived. Many holy men of God and women of God throughout Scripture have actually been deceived and God needed to correct them because they weren't deceiving for the purpose of making merchandise of people. They got deceived by something. And God has been using these things for correction. And he tells us we need to be very, very careful about what we're saying. Preachers are supposed to be preaching the word of God. Not their own opinions, not their human reasoning, not their own intellect or knowledge or understanding or fables or artificial intelligence. We live in the season of artificial intelligence. And there's an artificial gospel being preached that has no sanctifying power that can't feed an ant. It can only bring into damnation. And you and I need to be aware of that. We have to be not only readers and hearers of the true words of Christ, but doers. Because if we don't do it, then we're deceived. Does this make you feel a bit uncomfortable? Or is this like, yeah, this is strengthening me to go deeper and do everything I know I'm supposed to do? At the end of the day, it's not going to be our pastors who patted us on the back and said, oh, it's okay. It's not going to be our friends that said, oh, how great and wonderful we were. At the end of the day, the thing that's going to judge us is this word, this word. And what I know is that if this word is engrafted in me, it changes me. And if I can't see any transformation or the people around my life who love me can't see any change, I'm in trouble. 
And I think it's a careful season. Now, I do have a word for somebody. And I wanted to finish this up. But I think I'll just wait. I think I'm just going to wait. Maybe this weekend you could read 2 Peter chapter 3 and go into it. First of all, what I'd like to do, you got some folks listening in right now. Uh, before I release this, I need to just kind of listen right now. Is uh, If you have a question, a comment to anything you heard, now is the time to press that number one on your dial pad. Uh, if you have anything you'd like to share about what you just heard, the number to call is 818-369-0326. And I'll say hello to some of our friends in the chat room. I'll wait for your, your call. And I'm going to put that up on the board right now. Oops, I'll put this on the board. Here's what you got to do. If you have a question or comment about what you've heard thus far today, the number to call is 818-369-0326. And you have to press 1 on the dial pad to share your thoughts. What are you thinking right now? What are you hearing right now? You know, probably one of the worst conversations could be, oh, I heard what you said and I'm so bummed out. (laughs) No. I don't think that's a good response to what we've just read together. It's a quickening, right? It's a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So while we're waiting for calls, let me say good morning to Charlotte Gotch this morning. Charlotte, God bless you, and thanks for tuning in again. David Ellison, good morning. Nine degrees, God is in the snow. Yes, he is. His treasure is in the snow. David, God bless you, sir. Joyce Young is with us this morning. Good morning, Joyce and Ken. God bless you both. Cindy Messman. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning, Cindy Messman. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. David Ellison says, P. Vincent, Pastor Vincent, did you know that it's the man's job to make the morning coffee? It's in the Bible. It's in the Hebrews. You got a point. You got a point. Make that coffee every day. He brews. (laughs) That's going to be the name of our coffee shop that we're going to be building one day real soon. We're going to have a Christian coffee shop in Northwest Arkansas with musicians and chess boards and Bibles and gatherings. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be called Hebrews. All right, I see. Shirley Wolseley is with us this morning. Good morning, Mike and Cindy. God bless you. Uh, I see a Vikramaju Nalukurthi. Hello, Vikramaju. Welcome to the broadcast. God bless you and You said good morning and praise the Lord. Amen. Good morning, praise the Lord, and pass the ammunition. Uh, I'd like to know where you're you're listening in from. Sounds like maybe India or maybe some of the Middle Eastern countries. Uh, Megan Cotton, good morning. Good morning, Megan. God bless you. World of Nobody is calling in, saying good morning. All right, so World of Nobody says, Pastor, I want to hear an in-depth study on David, what it means to have a heart of God. All right, we can do that. We'll do that along with uh, the teaching on preterism one day. Laquita Sizemore is with us today. Good morning, Pastor. Well, you know, i got to tell you something, world of nobody. I think you just heard a Bible study on the heart of David. Because everything Peter just said was the heart of David, which is the heart of God, which is the heart of Christ. And to live that way is definitely moving in the right direction. And one of the things I want you to know about David and the apostles, the difference While David had the Spirit of God on him, the apostles had the Spirit of the Lord in him. And while we read about David's utter failure 
uh, in committing adultery and murdering a woman's husband. You never hear that in the apostles. I'm going to follow the apostles. Praise God for David's heart, but it was sullied by his flesh. That's not a criticism. It's an observation. And a lot of people like to follow David so they could commit the same sin. Don't ever want to do that. Now, I don't think you want to do that. I'm just saying there's one greater than David that has come, and he is Yeshua. He is Yeshua Jesus. Perfect heart. Laquita says, good morning, good morning, Laquita. I hope you're doing well and trusting you're doing well. And, and Paul and Callie. Phil Buswell, good morning, Pastor Vincent. Good morning. Uh, Joyce Young saying it. Uh, and Phil, by the way, I, I got your email. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, Joyce Young, an excellent teaching on Peter's ladder. Amen. I like that. Jacob's ladder, Peter's ladder. Got to love it. Well said. Uh, Paul Jack, good morning. Good morning, Paul. God bless you, sir. Uh, Pastor Dennis Sossaman, may your system be cleared from all congestion. Yes, both this radio system and this system. Got a little e going on. Melissa Fletcher, good morning. Pastor Melissa, God bless you. And uh, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, Joyce Young, once again, yes, this teaching is strengthening me. Good. That's awesome news. Now, uh, with what's going on in the chat room, I have a word. It's for somebody. But I'd love to hear from you. And I want to just give opportunity right now to dial that number on the screen, 818-369-0326. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio right now, just press 1, and uh, let's chat. It's Friday. We're going to move into Shabbat this evening. We're going to have our day of rest. Praise God. I think we all need it. And then we'll be gathering at New Wine Ministries Saturday evening at 5.30 and Sunday at 2 p.m., and uh, continue to move forward in whatever God wants us to do. Right now, I sense that we need some rest. <clears throat> I'm coming off of a major, massive birthday blessing. Whew, wore me to my skin. We party a lot at New Wine Ministries. We love to party, but it's a God party. All right, I do have a call coming in here. Let's take this call, area code 479-366. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning. Um, a thought uh, that I have is, um, and then posing a question. Um, so for one that does not want to be deceived, one that is working out their salvation, um, and now I'm thinking about the power of the Holy Spirit to enable that one to um as the holy spirit's revealing because the holy spirit says i he will guide us into all truth and so with the with a vessel who's willing for the vessel that's working out his or her salvation um and and i i i'm i'm working on learning more of the power of the holy don't know well holy spirit show me (laughs) I mean, the power, I mean, what is that, what does that look like in a, um, in a vessel who, who doesn't want to be undone in any area of their lives, meaning, you know, standing before the Lord with clean heart and clean hands. So, you know, that's my question. And, um, 
I just I love the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, well, let's talk about it's awesome. it. Hold on a second. Don't go anywhere. Okay. Let's talk. Let's talk about it for a moment. I can't imagine more power than a life that can be changed. Uh, and here's an example. Let's say that for whatever reason, a person has been living their whole life and they're afraid of everything. They just have a spirit of fear about them. They live in fear. They, they fear everything. They come to the knowledge of Christ and his message is fear not. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, one begins to address that fear in their life. And they go after it until fear has been completely demolished, that ghost, that fear. Mm -hmm. This is power because that will produce transformation in that person's life. And the perfect love all fear. So while uh, fear is being cast out as a person is utilizing the power to deal with fear or lust or pride or jealousy or envy or unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment or any other source that is not Christ, the Spirit of God is given to deal with one at a time so that that will no longer be a part of that person's life and they have changed now we'll go on and address the next. And this is a working out of salvation. And we are becoming more and more partakers of the divine nature by the power of the spirit that is ultimately bringing us all into the agape love of God. So that to me is power. I mean, moving a mountain, you know, binding a devil, casting out the enemy, you know, that's all good. Samson's power, but it doesn't even begin to compare to the power of God and the Holy Spirit to change someone's mind, mm-hmm. to change someone's thought, to change someone's life. It's exciting. Amen. Amen. You've got the power. You've got the power. Amen. We got it. You can change anything. The power of God can change anything. But we have yeah. to cooperate Amen. with it, right? Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. God bless you all. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for the call. I appreciate your call. You're welcome. Bye. God bless you. All right. Waiting for your call. Questions? I'm certainly not the Bible answer man. <laughs> you know, I'm really not. But I think between all of us, we can get some answers. Uh, the man that you are looking at or listening to right now, I, I got to tell you, if the, if the power of God was not real, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now because I was the most unintelligent, broken. I can't even begin to tell you how deceived, arrogant, proud. I I mean, if I just go down the list, thank God for truth and thank God for the Holy Spirit and thank God for people around my life that held me accountable for the things I was hearing that just would not let me continue to think the way I was because my thinking wasn't right. My doing wasn't right. My conduct wasn't right. In this coming April, we're going to be right around 40 years, 40 years since the day as a 19-year-old young man, I accepted Christ into my heart. I mean, we're coming into that time frame. 
And that's kind of like, okay, maybe now you're ready. Sometimes it takes a long time to work in someone's life. Let's take this call coming in from 479-787. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Uh-oh, I hear doggies. Was that a chicken? Hello, are you there? 479-787. It's got to be the same person that sent me a gift last night. I got a gift at the front door. And it was called the potty putter. And the potty putter is this little tiny putter that when you sit down to go to the, the washroom, you're supposed to putt. I don't know who did it. It came without a name. I guarantee that right there is probably the same person that uh, actually did that. Is it a friend? Just give it one more opportunity. Hello, 479-787. Are you there? <laughs> Okay, it sounds like somebody's taking care of their chickens. All right, uh, uh, let's see. Cindy Messman, I loved your answer, Pastor Vincent, to the caller who asked about the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Cindy. And again, if you all have something you would like to share about that, the number to call, 818-369-0326. I cannot read this word here without at least two more callers calling in. I need two calls, and then I'm going to release a word for somebody uh, we've got very little time, so I don't know what to tell you. This is rich. It's a it's a rhema word for somebody. I do got to get it out, but I need to have at least two more calls, and we're down to less than 20 minutes in the broadcast. So um, I just have to wait it out and uh, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Praise the Lord. 818-369-0326. Press 1 on your dial pad. You know, it's so funny. I say that a lot of times. Press one, press one. And people call me later and say, well, I tried to get in. I said, did you press one? Well, no, I didn't press one. You got to you gotta press one. All right. So, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. You can't hold things back that belong to the Lord, can you? I wonder what I wonder if I could just post it on Facebook. Post it out there. Folks, I have nothing else to share with you today except this word. And Second Peter, your homework is going to be to read Second Peter chapter three to complete what we started today. And uh, let's see what we got here. What do we have here? Lydia's phone number is oh seventy seven. It could be the chicken call. Ah, gotcha. Sister Lydia. Thank you for that. Takes away the mystery. I don't think she would have sent the potty putter. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. We got a 619-7009 calling in. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hey. Um, last night, my lovely wife and I did a little Bible study on uh, 
Matthew 25. And it left me kind of in a little bit of a wondering about if I was doing okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you well. Um, and then you just happened to bring out the Second Peter stuff to give me the direction that I need to fulfill what I read in Matthew 25. Hallelujah. I'm, you know, I, I, I read about the, about the 10 virgins and, you know, do I have enough oil? And, and, and then I read about the talents. Am I, am I hiding my talent or, or, or am, am I bringing another two talents more than what I was given? Yeah. Well, how, how do I apply Matthew 25 to my life so that I'm not one of those that the Lord doesn't know? Yeah, your very question is a step in the right direction. And, you know, this is, this is good. When the, uh, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, Lord, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And he's questioning him. And he gets into some depth in his heart. And, um, you know, for the rich young ruler, it was go sell everything you have, give to the poor. And he went away because he was very rich. Um, and sometimes when we're talking to God, we're wanting to know the way to go. And he, he's, he reveals certain things to us. But he says to those that are asking, he gives them really good direction. And I think you were asking last night, and God just gave you some good direction I personally bear witness that you're on the right track. Uh, There's such a transformation going on in your soul right now, and the enemy of your soul would probably want to derail that. But I would say to you, keep going in the direction you're going in and do the little things that God is asking you to do along the way and keep open to the Holy Spirit. Lord, show me, you know, am I burying my talents? That was your question. And what are your talents? How could you put them to use? How could they be used for the glory of God? Just step out and, and move in that, and the, your question will be answered. And along the way, your friends and your family will encourage you, and uh, I think this is good. I think your question is excellent. Well, praise the Lord. I'm, uh, it's so nice to, you know, I, 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 was, I was not troubled. I, I, I believe that I am on the right track, but... I want to know for sure I'm on the right track, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, sir. We all so need to I, know I, we're on the right track. Yeah. And I, I thank you for your, uh, your patience and your, in, in, in your, uh, stick-to-itiveness on driving, driving this theme, you know, constantly about having your heart right. Cause that is, well, you're, you are welcome. Um, you know, Ray, as we're talking, uh, we just got this. This is super important here. Uh, this is not good. Uh, we're getting, uh-oh, I think I just blew something here. Um, we're getting a report right now from uh, Pastor Kevin Honeycutt. I think I just kind of blew this, but let me see what I need to do here to bring this back up. Um, 
and I'm sorry to, de- to detract from what you're saying. It's super important. Um, but Nancy Honeycutt, I think we just had something come up where uh, she is, her oxygen levels have dropped significantly. So, um, oh, boy. All right, we need to pray that one through. And I can't seem to get my caller thing back here. What is going on? Anyways, let's see what's happening. Everything kind of went a little haywire for just a second. You still with me, Ray? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. So, um, okay, so we have, um, I just can't see the, the, the board any longer. We need to pray for them um, for sure. We have a little minor issues going on here. Let's see if we can get this tuned down. Uh, okay. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for giving wisdom, guidance, and direction in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you that you are well able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. And we give you all the praise and the glory right now for, for Ray and for bringing him, Father God, where you want him to be in his walk with you. And we thank you that you're doing it in all of our lives and that this is the question that you were looking for. This is, the, this is what you're, you're longing for, that your children would be more concerned about their salvation, especially in these end times. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to guide and direct every one of us uh, because we could find ourselves in a position like Nancy Honeycutt right now is uh, suffering, and the suffering is due to oxygen loss in her body. And uh, let me see if I can get this here. We're going to pray for life to come into her spirit in the name of Jesus. There's way too much destiny right now for that uh, to go in any other direction. So let's find out where she's at. Um, where are you, Pastor Kevin? Anybody out there uh, need to really pray for, for her? So in the name of Jesus, Father God, breathe your breath, your oxygen into Nancy Honeycutt. Let her oxygen levels come up. Lord God, we ask that you would bring her up and out of that hospital and you would give her fresh breath of life in in her lungs. And Lord, we're not going to give up on her. You're not going to give up on her. And I thank you for all the people tuned in right now who have faith in God for miraculous signs and wonders and healings that we will come together in agreement and pray Nancy Honeycutt into her destiny upon this earth, which is not to die in a hospital as an heir of salvation in Jesus' name. Nancy Honeycutt, rise and be made whole in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow. Amen. Ray, anything else at this time you would like to share? Well, I think uh, there probably is, but I can't think of it right now. <laughs> well, Amen. To, to, to be continued. Let's put it to that way. To be continued. Yes. All Thank right, you brother. so much. Well, God bless you, and thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. God bless your heart. Yeah, the seekers, the true seekers of God are going to get answers. Ask and you shall receive, right? Um, that's concerning to me, guys. i got to run. I'm going to have to, you know, this word here. Oh, i got 15, 12 minutes left. 12 minutes. Here's for somebody. Keep Nancy in prayer. Beloved, the time of refreshing and restoration has come. If you're the individual this word is to, pay attention. 
I know it's the seventh day of January. Pay attention. Klaus, if you're out there, listen carefully. And whoever else may be out there, Klaus's birthday is today. I don't know who this word is for. I just know it's for somebody. Beloved, the time of refreshing and restoration has come. A new season for the remnant of my chosen ones has dawned in a new season of fruitfulness and forgetting has arrived. The troublesome past shall be just that, past. You shall now come to a place of fruitfulness in the very land you experienced your greatest suffering and trial. It is in the birthing of Manasseh, which means my forgetting, and Ephraim, which means fruitfulness in the land of trouble. This is Joseph's reward for his faithfulness, and you too, my beloved, have been faithful with little, and now you shall be given much. Are you ready? Your eyes and ears will hardly believe what is about to happen to you and in you. You will hardly believe that such prosperity and favor could have ever been designed for you, for even those great words of prophecy shall pale in comparison to the receiving of what you are about to embrace. This is your hour of exponential growth. This is your time of coming forth quickly out of the dungeon into the palace. Are you ready? I ask you this because you are my people living in the prophetic third day, and I have revealed in this day a people that are ready. It is time for you to experience the reward of your readiness. And what is that? An encounter with your God in a new and living way. Now is the time. Let the words of the Spirit raise you up to new heights in this season and allow the breath of my mouth to lift you out of the present circumstances to new dwellings beyond the earthly and mundane things of this earth. I am calling you to an even greater inheritance than that of Joseph. I am calling you into my kingdom. I am calling you to rule within the halls of my justice. I am calling you to reign in the courts of my praise and glory. Yes, you are coming to the place of your inheritance, and that is a place of government. This is the difference between the first two days and the third day. The third day is a day of governmental power. It is time for you to take the mantle of my divine authority and execute judgment upon that which is contrary to my will. It is time for you to take your place within my kingdom and govern the nations of the earth. For my kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and an everlasting dominion that shall never pass away. My kingdom has been increasing since the onset of its birth. My kingdom has been spreading its rule, dominion, and authority over all the earth. And the peace of my kingdom has been established in the hearts of those who are mine. I say to you now, arise and come forth into your rest. There still remains a rest for the people of God. And this is the seventh day, the day that I have chosen for you to rest in. From this place of rest and peace, you shall rule and reign. You shall speak the word and it shall come to pass. You shall execute the judgment that has been written. Now listen, these words are for the renewed in mind and spirit. For these words that I'm about to say to you are foolishness to the carnal mind and will have no place in the man of earth. These words are for the regenerated, born again, and spiritually minded men and women this individual, that have entered into the chambers of counsel within my throne room. I say unto you that a great honor has been bestowed upon you. I have given this honor to the saints. What is this honor? It is that you will destroy the yoke 
pull down the stronghold and possess the land, your own land. Pull down the stronghold in your mind. Break the yoke. Destroy the yoke. I have given you divine weapons to cast Satan out of the earth, your own earth. We're in earthen vessels. He has been sent into the earth with great wrath, yet the power of my spirit within the saints is greater. You have been given the legal mandate and right to cast Satan out of the earth, to take away his dominion and power, and to consume him out of the earth, your own, thus bringing forth a new heaven and a new earth, new mindset, new attitude, and have been inspired by the kingdom. Watch, here is where the elements shall melt with fervent heat and all the works in the earth that are and have been inspired by the kingdom of darkness shall be burned up. I am, cons- I am a consuming fire, says the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the remnant. You shall execute the judgment that has already been written and spoken. Take now the kingdom by force. Begin where you are to speak forth my kingdom into your dwelling place. Speak the word of the Lord. Saturate your home with praise and worship. Keep the enemy out. From that spiritual environment that you have created with the breath of your mouth shall go forth great hailstones of truth. Release the judgments written in my word. Release the plagues. Release the vials. Release the earthquakes and storms of glory. Release my judgments, O remnant, and you will see things turn in a moment, even in the twinkling of an eye. My two witnesses strike the earth as often as they will. Why? Because I have given them power to rule. I have given all who would believe the same power, but many have refused the power and given the enemy great ground. But you, beloved remnant, I have given this power with a double portion anointing. Do not play with this power. It is not for light things. Do not be frivolous with this power, for it is greater than nuclear weapons. Receive this power and exercise it over all the power of the enemy. This is my dunamis power given to my church for the destruction and overthrow of the satanic kingdom. Now do it. I have given you resurrection power to disarm your enemies. I have given you all that I have now. I've given you all that I have. Now utilize it. Change the world. Do not let the world rest until the change is complete. Do not let evil hide anymore, anywhere. Oh, my remnant, I know you so well. I know your faith. I know your trials. I know all about you and how you have longed to destroy the evil out of the earth, your own, and in the world. I am with you in this matter, and I will have a people who hate evil as I do and will confirm their words with signs and wonders following Let now nothing sway you from the course I have called you to. Rule now, O kings in the earth, even my sons of glory. And to that individual that was willing to receive the word of God, may those words have direct access into your spirit, your soul, and your body. A season of fruitfulness and forgetfulness. Your past is over. Look forward. God has incredible things lined up for you. Possess it. Receive this word of the Lord. It's just a rhema word for somebody. I've got to go see how Pastor Kevin Honeycutt is doing. And Nancy, I hope you'll be in prayer for them. Keep all the saints of God in prayer. Kathy and Brian in Hawaii, pray for them. Pastor Jeff Bass and Dee, pray for them. Pastor Kevin and Nancy Honeycutt, pray for them. Pray for the saints of God. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. And make it just sincere and genuine. 
God bless you, saints. Have a great weekend. Lord willing, we'll see you on Tuesday right here on The Watchman. I'm Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Have a super blessed day. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.